This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome in to another edition of the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Bartholomew. On today's episode, a conversation with the Boston Globe, Rhode Island Bureau's Amanda Milkovitz. And this a long overdue conversation here on B-Town with one of Rhode Island's premier journalists, a member of the three-person Boston Globe, Rhode Island Bureau, along with Edward Fitzpatrick and Mr. Dan McGowan of Roadmap fame. We get into some of her recent stories, this story about a couple of guys fighting over masks up in northern Rhode Island. You may have read that one and beyond. So uh, stick around. A fun conversation with a roadie classic, Amanda Milkovitz, here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Hey, Rhode Island, this fall, B-Town is your election central and a great way that you can support the journalism, opinion, analysis, and entertainment that the Bartholomew Town Podcast has become known for is to make a monthly contribution via the B-Town Patreon account. It's patreon.com slash Bartholomew Town. You'll also have the opportunity to become a B-Town insider and you'll receive exclusive episodes and other content. Bartholomew Town focusing in on Rhode Island's elections Yet again, as we did when we launched in 2018, and your support helps keep this operation moving along. Okay, without further ado, let's get to it with the Boston Globe's Amanda Milkovitz. All right, so Amanda Milkovitz of the Boston Globe, folks, now it's been over a year now, so the the Globe Rhode Island unit is like an institution here, you know, may as well be Channel 10 or the Projo, whatever, right? It's You're in, and uh, it's been amazing. You know, I think you've really set a, the group set a tone for a standard of journalism, and this isn't a knock on anyone else, but it's been, I feel like there's been a, a, an uplift, at least in finding the stories that aren't the typical clickbait, so to speak. You had one of those just last week, some fine gentlemen up in uh, the northern part of the state brawling over masking, and it just sort of speaks to COVID-19 and this environment that we live in right now. Yeah. You want to talk about that story here? Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite stories uh, lately. It's um, it's sort of funny, but also kind of not. It, it, it gets to what's been happening, I would say, over the last few months where people are just kind of at at ends, at, at their wits ends. Anyways, we're all on edge because of COVID. And now we're wearing masks. And there's been, so, it's become pol- a politicized issue, which is, which is a real problem. Um, but that um, that tip actually came from Peter Farrelly, who is friends with one of the reporters at the Globe, and it's a Rhode Island story. So of course the Farrelly brothers are involved, and he, um, the gentleman Bill Beauchene, is a childhood friend. I think they've been friends. He said since seventh or eighth grade, yep. and uh, he's appeared in a couple of the Farrelly brothers movies as little cameos. And um, so he went to his local um, the the Seasons Corner Market and Shell gas station um, up in uh, Lincoln and was walking out and there was a young man following him who he says was right on top of him and the other guy was not wearing a mask, so he said something. And that was it. it he said that it just snapped and turned into, you know, chest bumping and coffee smacked out of his hand and threats and I'm gonna slit your throat, he said, is what he told the police. And it ends with him taking a picture of the license plate of the guy who threatened him and the guy opens his door and hits them with it and just chaos on the parking lot. And it's all over a mask, it's over a mask. And, um, there, but this is what's happening. I mean, the, uh, you know, Brickley's ice cream shop had issues and they actually closed, you know, one of their little shops in Wakefield because they've had it with, you know, the teenage employees being harassed. 
And in other places, they have very distinctive signs up, but clerks have told me that they don't really want to say anything because they don't know what's going to happen to them, which is crazy. Yeah, and that's been one of the things, this whole crisis, really, specifically with masking or any kind of enforcement, right? You know, like yeah. I think back to when Mayor Alorza closed the parks here in Providence. I live right, right. by Roger Williams, so I would go, first of all, I was going there in the, in the early days of the crisis for recreation, and we would just go, my wife and I would go walk around, and it was an escape. But then I started to go more of like an investigative, uh, soft investigation here. And people were still going to the parks. There were tons of cops driving around with their lights on, but they couldn't enforce it. Finally, I asked the, the mounted police, I said, what are you doing out here? Is, this, is there any enforcement? They said, no, no, this is, there's no teeth to any of these orders that are either related to masking or closing. You can't walk through Roger Williams Park, whatever it may be. So people are then taking advantage of that, of course. And, and it creates this weird dynamic that I'm not sure I, you know, I, can, I can describe other than it, it melts the, the, um, the value of law and order, I guess, to a certain extent. Um, do you find that that's, that's well, creeping I, in I here? Don't, I don't think the police really want to do it because it, it's, you know, it's a fine. It is some type of penalty. In this particular case, the Lincoln police are sending it up to the Department of Health and let them you know, issue a penalty against the guy. But that, because this became egregious. This became, this This ended in arrest for both of them, yeah. but particularly the guy who allegedly uh, struck Bill Beauchene with his door. I mean, he's charged with a felony. So, but mostly, no, they, they're trying not to have those kinds of encounters because they get ugly pretty quickly. You know, it, it's better to tell somebody, look at, just wear a mask. Can you wear a mask? But now it's getting to the point where average civilians are saying something, saying things to each other, filming each other, not wearing a mask. There's a mask shaming going on. And they coined the phrase up in, you know, in Boston, the mask hole, people who won't wear masks. And, um, but it's, uh, I find that I go for runs and I'll wear, you know, I'll have a mask. I'll pull up if I get close to people, but I've started like you kind of like watching like who's wearing a mask, who isn't wearing a mask. And it seems like when there's a lot of people around and there's a majority of people wearing masks, there's kind of a, a peer pressure. Okay. I'm going to wear one too, because nobody wants to be the big loud mouth saying, I don't have to, you can't make me. What's the point? Yeah. It's, it's wild. And look, you know, I have no idea scientifically. It makes sense to me that wearing a mask, you know, and the better quality mask you have, it makes sense that you'd have less likelihood of transmitting or receiving a virus. So if you're it's a courtesy too, I mean, you're just, we're all admitting, yes, we are in a pandemic. It's not going away. You know, our cases looks like Rhode Island is starting to trend up again, though. I think that they haven't put up today's data from over the weekend, but you know, why would we, why would we risk it? Why would you risk something that, you know, is becoming deadly for so many people? Yeah. And I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around it in Newport, which is where I spent a lot of time. I lived there for a couple of years and still have a lot of community there. And, and so I'm there two, three, four times a week sometimes. And I'm just amazed by the amount of people that are on the beaches, first of all, but then second of all, just around walking around downtown you know, I went to get some takeout food and I was the only person in a mask in the place. And wow. I'm thinking, whoa, what's going on here? You know, this is wild. And I don't know who to assign blame to, you know, on the one hand, I thought, well, shouldn't the mayor just, you know, put on a Newport 
city of Newport polo shirt and, you know, hand out masks or somehow use the bully pulpit. But then what does that really do as well? I mean, I don't know how you dial this in. It's just like you say, a courtesy issue that some people just don't seem on board with. I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure what the answer is. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, when I spoke to the police chiefs association, they would rather educate. They don't want to arrest people because this is, it's it's a small thing and it can lead to more agitation than it's worth, but it's also, it, it's kind of like we should all be doing it. it, it there's, there's definitely a peer pressure aspect to it. You know, Bill Bouchane says he's never, you know, he feels very strongly he should wear a mask. He's, he's 63. He's kind of in that, in that risk category. And he said, honestly, he's never said anything to anybody before. This guy was in his face and the, the younger man could have reacted in a lot of different ways. He could have said, you know, nothing. He could have just walked out. But instead, it immediately, according to Beauchene and other witnesses in the video, immediately turned into a fight. And, um, you know, Mr. Beauchene's opinion is that some people are out there, they're looking for it. This is yeah. why they're not wearing a mask. They want a little something. He said he will never say anything again. It's mm. just not worth it to him. But, um you know, that, that photo of him, the selfie he took afterwards with the gash on his leg, <laughs> said a lot. Yeah, no, that, that is, that'll be one of the photos of the year, the, you know, selfies of the year, probably when yeah. this is all said and done, sadly. Unfortunately. Um, another piece that you had recently on, that, that this speaks to a much broader conversation, but universities, colleges reopening, in general, schools reopening. You know, I've talked to some parents that just yesterday, I was with, with a group of people, um, uh, fellow media members, as a matter of fact, and they, there was sort of a discussion of, hey, one person saying, look, we've got to get kids back, you know, and this is a person who is pretty open-minded and pretty plugged into what's going on with the virus. And he's saying, look, we've got to get kids back because of the social implications for both students and parents. And that's more in the K-12 category. But then another parent was saying, there is no chance I'm sending my kid back. I'm looking at privatized homeschooling, you know, these teach, these tutors essentially that tutor half a dozen, a dozen kids on, on zoom. So that of course feeds into the, the, the college and university conversation, which is where basically you were focused on in your story. What's your opinion right now on where that's at? Again, the data is going to shift who knows when, you know, but evolving. as of right now, yeah, it's evolving. Evolving, evolving. Yeah. I mean, I had a story about a week and a half ago about here's their plans right now. Because yeah. who knows what it's going to look like a month from now. And I think they don't know either. They're, it, it feels like a moving target. I mean, the one constant, and they all, all the universities said this to me, is like, kids just really want to be back. They, they feel like they want to be on campus. They want to come home. And, but how do they do this? How do they do this safely? And, um, and that's the big concern. And universities are trying. They're trying with, you know, single dorm rooms. They're trying with, you know, University of Rhode Island. It's like, if you don't have to live on campus, then you know, let's have these rooms for people who are really coming from away. Uh, Brown University is moving to trimesters and, you know, the incoming freshmen won't be here in the fall so they can stagger it. You know, and sophomores will, will come in a little bit later. They'll have a choice between, you know, later uh, semesters, but it's, it's really up in the air. Uh, you know, the sports, what's going to happen with the university sports, that's not happening right now. In the, you know, the threat of a second wave in the fall is making everybody nervous. At the same time, these universities and colleges are looking at what's going to happen with their revenue. 
are, are kids not going to come? Or are they going to opt for online learning? Are they going to opt for a gap year doing whatever? Are they going to lose their international students? And therefore, you know, they're seeing a shortage, a shortfall in their revenue. I mean, Bryant University is certainly, you know, open about this is an issue for them, but it, it's an issue for everybody. I mean, there's, you know, you and I went to college. I think the best part of my college experience was meeting other kids on campus who came from other walks of life and you have fascinating discussions that you have in class. And it just like, that's what really opens your mind. It's not sitting at home on your computer, you know, staring at a lecture hall. It's being among other people and, you know, joining clubs and organizations, but, um, and they're going to miss that and they have to. Yeah. And for me, I grew up in South County, Rhode Island, and then went to URI. And of course, I mean, I lived on campus and then down the line, but I can't imagine the experience if I was at home, you know, where I grew up with my parents. I mean, it would have been a totally different world. Um, It was close enough as it was where it was like, all right, is this the right choice? You know, I guess it is. But um, man, you know, it's going to be tough to justify the expense, I think, for a lot of people as well. You know, it's especially those who have where the hands-on components absolutely essential. My wife's studying in RISD now and, you know, her last semester not being able to go into any of the labs, you know, it's like, come on, what's the point of this? You know, just give everybody a break, come back when this is resolved, but you can't really do medical, uh, physical work, whatever it may be on scientific work, artistic work via Zoom, that's for sure. So. Right, right, right. How does the lab work? You know, how does that happen? I mean, some of the colleges are looking at, you know, you're going to have the same lab group working together throughout the entire semester or the entire college year, um, you know, not leaving, you know, it's, it's they haven't figured it out. I mean, they, they figured out as much as they can. Brand University said the Department of Health is very pleased with their with their plan. But there is a sense of we have to be ready to change. Yeah, and it could be in a couple of weeks. Be ready to change. I mean, it's just—it's not just colleges. It's not just students. It's the people who work there. It's the janitorial staff. It's the dining staff. It's—it's—it's it's, um, it's everyone. It's the professors, the adjunct staff. There's so many people. There's such a huge loss. And I think in general, that's what we're seeing with with COVID. I mean, there's just—we don't want to have to—we don't want to have to face what we are dealing with, which is a tremendous loss of the way our life used to be. And the uncertainty about where are we going from here? Yeah, no question about it. Um, how do you feel as kind of from your, your vantage point on the globe where the globe, Rhode Island specifically anyway, you, I mean, you do cover breaking news. You know, if there is a, a major situation going on, you're there, you're on it. And certainly with McGowan uh, and Roadmap, you know, you get that every morning right. while you're, while you're tr- trying to figure out where the coffee mugs left <laughs> or whatever it may be. But yeah. The, the the vantage point that you have, the advantage, you know, is being able to take that 36,000 foot view as well as the breaking news. That's a rare thing um, that, that you're able to do. I mean, it's almost like uh, I'm trying to think of anyone else who does that here. I guess you could argue public's radio, but then at the same time, frankly, they don't really have the breaking news coverage or reach in my from my perspective that, that the Globe Rhode Island branch does. So how are you managing that selecting stories kind of here in the crisis with everything going on with the the social justice movement and then of course we've got an election coming up as well (laughs) how do you balance that anything else yeah right (laughs) balls we want to juggle the the moon falls out of the sky you know who knows what's next yeah oh i mean the good thing is is we're just a really good team i mean before ed and i worked together at the journal 
we talk about this all the time. We start in the same day at the journal. We started the same day at the globe. Dan and I were competitors, but I really just appreciated, admired, and respected his work so much. And so it's great to, because the three of us just bring different skills and a different way of looking at things. So, you know, the globe wants us to write stories or like write stories that matter, obviously, but really take that broader view of what's going on. So I mean, I was always a breaking news reporter and primarily covering crime. I mean, Ed was amazing with the courts and politics, and Dan is just fantastic at everything. And so the three of us will bounce ideas off of each other. We'll see something happening and say, you know, I want to take a closer look at this. So it's really been a gift. I mean, it is, we have an advantage that I didn't have when I was at the journal, which is to be able to take time and really dig into something. And we're not covering, you know, the journal, thank God, is covering the day-to-day-to-day things. And, and, you know, the TV stations are doing the same thing as well. We get to take a broader step back. And, you know, I did that with the, uh, the June 1st uh, demonstration that turned into violence and arson and chaos. And 70-plus people have been arrested. And um, I worked with Lynn Diddy at the Publix Radio on that. And, you know, looked at all the people arrested, looked at all the videos. and talk to people who were there who weren't arrested, but were observers and try to capture, well, what, how did this happen? What was this really about? You know, the state police were saying this was Antifa-like groups. This is, and that was not the case. It was just ordinary people. But you don't know that until you get a chance to really sit down and look at it. It could very easily be the daily breaking story and then we move on. But I think it's important to go back and say, well, what was that anyways? What does that really mean? Yeah, what a great, piece of journalism that was. I was so impressed and it made me start to think about, because there are good collaborations in Rhode Island uh, between outlets and it does seem like there's some kind of relationship forged between Publix Radio and the, and the Globe that that may, may be on paper or may just be, this works well, I don't know. But, but it made me think, boy, that is a fascinating way to tell stories. You think about Hummel for a decade now or whatever, the way he's able to right. print, video, radio, and then other platforms that he appears on, he's able to, to go deep on a story and then present it in different ways. But having multiple outlets and multiple journalists, too, in this case, focusing in on that that piece of um, of work that you put together, which, when did that come out? Like June 7th or something like that? Or, no, it came out, um, I just think, um, just, uh, just a few weeks, about two weeks ago. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's yeah. that recent. Nice time yeah. warp we're living in here. Yeah, but everyone listening <laughs> know, right now. right. Every day is Wednesday. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely check that out. If, if you read or listen to any piece today uh, after this podcast, that the going backwards anyway, that's what I recommend. You, you know, everyone should hear that piece. Um, this is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Discover hundreds of episodes of the Bartholomew Town Podcast on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, RIPodcast.com, pretty much wherever you like to get audio, you can find B-Town. You'll hear conversations with Congressman David Cicilline, Raymond Two Hawks Watson, Jim Hummel, Representative Anastasia Williams, Representative Marcia Wranglin-Vassell, and that's just a few of the ones that come to mind right here, right now. Bartholomew Town, Rhode Island's podcast of record, wherever you like to get audio. Last couple of minutes here, the Globe, do you sense a, um, as, as the elections approach, do you sense that because you weren't, this will be your first Rhode Island election as, as an institution, do you sense that um, your coverage will be, 
for you know, are you going to look at some of those institutionalist races? You know, you've got Dominic Ruggiero being taken on by Lenny Seo, a completely relatively unknown nurse in that district. But that's a fascinating race, of course. Fenton Fung and Matty Yellow. You know, that's on paper that could actually be a competitive race for the speaker. Um, do you feel like those are are areas that you're going to focus in on, or is that m- less so? Um, the, the angle you're going to take and go back to sort of that 36,000 foot view of like, why should you vote? Or what are the mail ballots going to look like? Where Probably, do you see but, I mean, both for sure. Yeah. I mean, they, we're not going to get into the incremental races, but you know, yeah. who's interested, who's, you know, who's going to be the next speaker. That is always important. Yeah. Um, you know, what is the impact going to be, you know, what's going to happen with the mail ballots? What, what impact is COVID going to have in this? What impact is, you know, the, the job losses, what, I mean, we're at an extraordinary level of unemployment. The uh, unemployment um, benefits are going to run out this week. Yeah. How is that going to impact the race? So we're going to look at issues and how and what where they um, come into the election. But, you know, when it comes to the races, it's going to be what's the most important races because we're ready for a New England paper as opposed to we all used to work for, you know, the Rhode Island. Rhode Island this is a Rhode Island section, but we're, we want people in Maine to read about this and care about this. We want people in Massachusetts to care about this. So, you know, what, what can we find that really matters? Very interesting. Um, last question. Are you convinced that we're going to get out of this as a better society, this is such an opinion, but out of, out of COVID-19 that we've exposed where it's flimsy or completely broken in our systems that enough people are paying attention that although you can't say it's better when we've lost lives and you've got people who are severely ill or, or have long-term complications and so forth. But going forward, you think we're going to get out of this from your vantage point at the globe in, in a more positive way than, than <sighs> we were going in? Well, I'm an optimist. I always yeah. want to believe that it's going to get better in some way. And that even though this is a really dark time, that there's a, a Providence pastor, um, Hans Philippe, one of my favorite people. And uh, he consults actually with the Providence police, which is how I, I got to meet him. One of his friends was one of the Central Park um, Five as well. And um, he's just, he's a great person. We had spoken a couple of years ago and about another issue and something he said really stuck with me. He says, you can always choose how you react to something. You can always choose who you're going to be in whatever situation you are. And, and I think that's what this moment is teaching us the moment of COVID, the moment of, you know, of racial injustice, dealing with systemic racism, this moment of high unemployment and uncertainty and division in our country comes down to, well, who are you? How are you reacting to this? How are you? Because all we can control is our own actions. So how we come out of this, I mean, it remains to be seen because we're still in it. And, um, but we're all trying to figure it out. As a journalist, this is one of the, this is the most fascinating time, I think, absolutely in my career and and probably in, in a decades to be witnessing and covering, covering a state I love so much and to seeing what happens now. So I don't know, I'm always optimistic. I guess I choose to be optimistic and, and hopeful. And because although I write about a lot of bad things, 
people fighting over masks and getting violent. <laughs> yeah. Most people aren't doing that. Yeah, let's that's, let's that's, be clear. Most people aren't doing it. I wrote about uh, a demonstration that turned violent. Well, that attracted a couple hundred people. I also wrote about the demonstration that was hugely peaceful, that attracted 10,000 people and was probably the biggest protest Providence had ever seen. So, mm-hmm. you know. And you also wrote about sharks. I love sharks. Yeah. <laughs> I love sharks, but they don't stay. They just pass us by. They they prefer the Cape because we yep. don't have the seals. Yeah, they go up to Linda Borg country up there, which is on vacation, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Amanda Milkovitz, ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Globe, Rhode Island section. Subscribe to that Boston Globe, man. They've got some, uh, boy, am I a spokesperson here? But they've got, uh, they've, they've got a good deal right now and they've had it for a while. But, you know, you can, you can certainly justify immediately that you've spent money on that um, digital subscription. Or and paper, Roadmap is free. Dan, yep. Dan McGowan bringing it fresh every day. And just subscribe, rinews at globe.com. This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Join the Bartholomew Town Podcast Facebook group by visiting www.btown.stream. You'll find daily digital reporting, live on location reporting, and much more.